everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Bull City Soccer Show. I am your host, Zach Leishner, and Bull City Soccer Show is proud to be part of the Soccer and Sweet Tea Network of Podcasts. For everything related to soccer here in the Carolinas, make sure to check out SoccerAndSweetTea.com for just every little thing you can imagine to be related to soccer here in the Carolinas. We have tons of other podcasts for you guys to check out as well, so make sure to look them up on everywhere where you can find podcasts. And for all of our recaps, make sure to look on our website and social medias as well. Uh, that is Soccer in Sweet Tea. So let's dive right into this episode. So for this episode, I d- divided it up into two parts. Um, the first part was I went to the NCSU 23 game versus South Carolina United Bantams. That was on Tuesday night. And originally I was going to plan to record the first segment of this episode on Tuesday night right after the game since it was still fresh in my brain but I accidentally left my laptop charger at work so was not able to get that done and second part of this episode is going to be the Tobacco Road FC game versus Lions Bridge FC so first off let's start off with NCFC so I went was able to go to the game it was in Cary uh, pretty good weather bugs ate me up out there though but um it was it was gonna, it was a great game. I'm excited to watch more. In, I mean, I'm excited to get the opportunity to watch more NCFC. Uh, I didn't get to do that as much last year. Um, even though I watched them play Tobacco Road a lot last year, uh, it's still good to watch NCFC take on some other teams. Um, but this time they got to take on SC United, which was really cool because I haven't got to see SC United before. So it was really cool for me just to get to see another team here in the Carolinas. And it's really sad because the Bantams aren't in the South Atlantic anymore. They're actually in the Deep South with uh, the Birmingham Hammers, um, Memphis City, um, uh, Petrie City MOBA, uh, some of those other teams <laughs> as well in the area. Um, but yeah, you know, it's cool that they're getting to play some non-divisional games and they're playing, that they get to play some other Carolina teams as well. Uh, one of their other non-divisional games is against the Charlotte Eagles. And so, you know, that's going to be a really cool game to watch, to watch non-divisional games. But um, yeah, it, was, it was really good to to see SC United out there. Um, and f- so when I got there and I was able to observe, I noticed that a lot of their players seem really young. And I figured out, you know, that's some of their academy players. They just, they just, have, they just play some really young guys. So it was really cool to see a team in the PDL play some younger players, which is always really cool. But for this game, I was expecting NCFC to win uh, at the moment. So before Tuesday, NCFC was at the top of the table in the South Atlantic. And I believe SC United was third in the table, either third or fourth in the table. So right there in the middle, uh, both, both conference or both divisions have uh, six teams each so um, I expected um, NCFC to win that game or to score a lot of goals at least because they have been on a roll here sh- uh, lately and um, I really did expect them just to come out shooting a lot you know trying to score but that was exactly what they did I got there and uh, they actually scored in the um, seventh minute and they just attacked so if, like for the first like two minutes uh, the Bantams kind of had two to three really good chances or just really good drives down the pitch. And I thought, oh, you know, they're attacking, which I didn't think that they were going to do much of. But then after that, then it was just NCS through the rest of the, you know, for the, about the next 20 minutes or so. And NCS actually had a really good opportunity uh, for that first goal, which is in the seventh minute. Um, there was a cross coming in. Um, I can't remember who that cross was. This game was not streamed as well, so that you know that does really make it hard when I want to do a recap of a game. You can't watch it to to focus back on a point or two. But um, yeah, there was there was a nice cross in from the box, and I don't know if it was tapped in or if it went off someone's body before. But then uh, David Cooperman was able actually able to. Uh, get a really easy rebound and send it into the other side of the goal. So NCSC went up with a really early goal in the seventh minute. And 
they just kept driving after that. I mean, you could tell that they just felt confident after that first goal and that they were just passing better, you know, playing, playing, they were actually playing like they were the better team out there, which was, I thought, interesting because normally they don't do that. Or at least every time I get to see them, they haven't done that before. But then they kept driving and driving, creating chances. Uh, uh, eight minutes later, in the 15th minute, <laughs> they were actually able to score again. Um, it was a really close shot uh, in the 20th minute. Um, it was scored by, uh, I believe his name is Tresser Muba. I, I <laughs> His name is really hard to pronounce, but... Um, Yes, it is Trusser. Um, yeah, he was able to score. Now, one quick stat out there. Uh, he actually scored or shot the ball a lot. He uh, had seven uh, shots recorded. Um, not too sure how accurate that is. But um, he did record seven shots. So I'm a little... I'm, you know, I'm not trying to hate on anyone who recorded stats but i'm just like that number just stood out to me looking at stats right now because everyone either had one shot or two shots and then here's seven so not sure if that's all entirely correct but he had seven shots um definitely was a player that i um was looking out for but he had um some great chances uh, he had a really easy goal for a second goal in the seventh, in the fifteenth minute. Um, but then after that, they just kind of really. I thought if maybe in the twentieth minute, I was like, "There's no way, like, there's no way that the Bantams are able to kind of come back from this because uh, North Carolina was just driving. They were holding possession, playing really good foot uh, soccer, and then." Um, <clears throat> In the 23rd minute, so this just eight again, just eight minutes later, uh, the Bantams had a really good opportunity and uh, were able to score the goal. Um, and for that attack, they really just they were playing good. I mean, they they passed the ball well, they drove. So when they were going to score, they just connected all their passes perfectly and made NCFC run back. And I noticed that one thing is that the Bantams were really quick off counters. Um, maybe not the whole midfield got back in time, but maybe one or two key players were able to do that. Um, but it was a good opportunity. It was a really good goal. I thought it was. Um, but it was their goal, their leading goal scorer on the team, uh, Marek Weber. Marek Weber? Uh, it's number 19 for them. He's their leading uh, goal scorer at the moment. I believe after t after that match, I think he leads the team with six goals. Either he led the team in six goals, so now it's eight or it's six. Um, I'm not sure if the stats page updated at all. It, I, I'm guessing it did update to six, so I'm going to say he's leading the team right now with six goals. But he played. He, he had a great game. Uh, he really led the attack. And then, so... Ooh, okay. So, really early in the game, within the first 10 minutes, there was a... Um, there's a foul in the box. And it was on... Well, the foul was on NCFC. And I thought it was going to be a penalty for the Bantams. And I thought it was going to be an early 1-1 uh, game. But... Unfortunately, it wasn't a call at all, which I thought was kind of... Yeah, I didn't think that was the right move. I think it should... I mean, I don't know how you don't call it, you know, a foul that's not in the box. But I think if that, the call that was made was anywhere else on the field, it would have been a foul. But it wasn't... The ref just said play on. They played on. So I thought could have been an early 1-1 uh, score right there. But then right before half... Um, in the 44th minute, I believe, 45th minute, um, they're actually able to score again. Um, this time it was a penalty. Now, I don't think this first one was as big as a penalty compared to the first, uh, foul that I think that was committed in the box. I think the first one was more, was more of a legitimate penalty than the second one, but I think if the... The ref didn't want to make that mistake two times and not call two potential penalties. 
in the in one half of the game i think that would have been a very big mistake if he didn't call it so like i understand him calling that second one and ncsd was committing some fouls but i don't think this one was as big as a foul but i think since it was in the box it was worthy of it being uh, a penalty kick but it was a penalty kick um i'm not sure who was actually fouled from uh the bantams but uh again weber took that goal took the penalty and uh he scored uh george marks actually did play a really good game uh, i mean he did let a penalty go and let two other goals go in but i thought he still played a great game he's very vocal he was more vocal than the uh south carolina united's um goalkeeper ian mccrane uh, i i i didn't think he was as vocal compared to george marks but this is something that i've been noticing with george but um second half um the Bantams came out extremely fast, kind of like they did in the first half, in the first three or four minutes. But they kind of played this way for the first five to ten minutes, so a little bit longer. They had, like, two really good opportunities, I thought, to score. But um, <clears throat> they, this game, the second half was really, was really good soccer. Both teams had really good chances each. Um, they both kind of... I mean, I think it was very equal. I think both teams had like both teams had really good shots. Both keepers made really good saves in the second half. Uh, There's some really good shots that were just way off, but just really good opportunities. But eventually, I was like, someone's going to score. Like it, one, there's going to be one goal here that is going to deflect off someone, or something's going to happen. So it, the score won't finish. <laughs> this game won't finish in a draw. But that was the case, and um. Uh, Mitchell Myers, actually, the 88th minute out of all, all the time in the second half, <laughs> Mitchell Myers decided to shoot this ball in the 88th minute, and it was an absolute screamer. I mean, it he just kind of, he got it wide open. Uh, just outside of the box, um, it's probably 5 to 10 yards away from the box, I think. I would say 5 yards away from the box. Um, and he had a really good, he just had a really good goal. I mean, he just hit it and it just kind of connected. It was a low ball, went to the opposite corner. So, um, George Marks wasn't able to, I think, reach over there as much as he thought it would, but, um, it was a great goal. Was not ready for that. Um, one thing that did, so looking just at the stat sheet for this game real quick, uh, the Bantams did have seven shots, um, the whole match. Which I thought was a little short than what it what really was, but maybe they were all just in the second half that there were just solid shots. Um, and then uh, NCFC had 18 shots, so you could really tell who was pushing the ball more and really controlling possession. I wish that they had possession stats here. Eh. The PDL was a fantastic league. I love the PDL, but I just one thing that I wish I can do is have some more stats so I can really just kind of back up what I'm saying, especially for when the game isn't uh, streamed. So then it's just not me rambling and talking about what I think <laughs> went on during the game when when a lot of people don't go to the game. But um, it was it was a great game. Um, honestly, that was re- that was really tainting. The first ma- the first half had. Uh, four goals and then the second half I mean a shot was going to fall at some point and eventually it did in the in the 88th minute which was just I mean it was really cool to see SC United in person and for them to actually get a win but when you look at the standings this game actually hurts NCFC NCFC out of all things they needed to draw from this game if they wanted to um if they wanted to continue um to be at top of the table and a problem with NCS being at the top of the table was they have already played a lot of games now they do have three wins and three draws which gives them 12 points which is a lot of points um they played eight games and some other teams like the Myrtle Beach Charlotte uh Tobacco Road and Lions Bridge um Myrtle Beach and Tobacco Road have played at this time. So Tuesday night, Myrtle Beach and Tobacco Road have played six games. Charlotte has played... Oh, I'm sorry. So Tuesday night, Myrtle Beach has played seven games. Charlotte has played five games. 
Tobacco Road has played six games, and Lionsbridge has played seven games. So the standings at this time were incredibly close. I mean, the top four teams were all within the game of each other, pretty much. As in, if someone won, they could have jumped up to the top of the table. So, I mean, the top four right now in the South Atlantic are crowded. But all that is going to change after Wednesday night, which is currently when I'm recording. So, um, But at the current moment, um, Tobacco Road's game is actually updated on the PDL's website. And the Myrtle Beach-Charlotte game has not been added up. Uh, I will probably take a break here shortly and try to you know refresh hopefully to get the some stats here for that game and an updated table for you guys but um tobacco roads game against lions bridge uh, i'm going to talk about that here in a little bit but that game has been added into the uh standings so i can do you know some simple math right here and tell you guys the standings but um as of right now myrtle beach is at the top of the table with 14 points so if you're looking at it right now when I'm looking at it, it is uh, technically they're in second place with 11 points, but with a win, um, they're at 14th. So Myrtle Beach right now is at the top of the table, and they've played the most games right now, or tied for the most games right now. But um, everyone is um, has played the same number of games except for Charlotte, who still is a game down right now. So um, a draw for Charlotte actually is... Um, a draw right now for Charlotte in that game would have been would have been huge. Uh, an additional point would have been really beneficial for them. But Myrtle Beach is in first. Uh, NCFC is in second. Um, and then it goes to Charlotte, Tobacco Road, Lions Bridge, Carolina Dynamo. So the Dynamo have continued just to kind of <laughs> not win games. Um, their goal differentials is still at negative 18 right now. Um, and we're going to dive here into the Tobacco Road game right now. But I'm going to take a quick break, uh, see if I can get some things to refresh, and uh, have some extra stats for you guys. So uh, stick right here, and we're going to get right back into it in a minute. Hey everyone, and we're back again here with Bull City Soccer Show. So I was, you know, took about a ten-minute break or so, real quick. But um, as I was gone, came back here to my laptop, refreshed. What do you know? We have an updated, uh, updated standings. Um, we have some stats for you from another game. So I am going to. Uh, give you guys a quick look at what the table looks like. Um, a little hard when I'm explaining it to you through this podcast, but uh, it'll make a little more sense once you guys, uh, I guess, see it. And um, so, yeah, so right here we have Myrtle Beach uh, in first place with 14 points. NCSU 23s in second place with 12 points. Charlotte Eagles in third place with 10 points. Tobacco Road FC in 4th place with 9 points. Lionsbridge FC in 5th place with 9 points. And the Carolina Dynamo in last place with 4 points. So, what does this mean if you're a Tobacco Road fan? Uh, That means you pretty much jumped up from 5th to 4th. Now, you know, Lionsbridge still kind of beats you on goal differential, but... Uh, we will break that down here in a little bit. But just looking at the table right now, um, Myrtle Beach, NCFC, and Lions Bridge are all leading with eight games played. Char- uh, Tobacco Road and Carolina Dynamo have both played seven games each. And then the Charlotte Eagles have played six games. Now, if you're a Tobacco Road fan, that makes you a little nervous because that's going to make the next Charlotte Eagles game very important to get three points because they're a game behind you right now so if they can win that extra game right there you know they're looking at an additional point or an additional three points right there so that's very important if you were looking to slide in the top three 
Now, just to um, restate how the playoffs work again, um, we need to get we need to win uh, first in our division. Uh, if we can't do that, we need to score a ton of goals to get a lot of points to try to be in second place in our division. And so, in the um, Eastern Conference, I believe there is three divisions, and the top teams from each division go into the playoffs automatically. Then, out of all three divisions combined, the next team that has has the highest number of points get that fourth spot. So, if you know we're sitting in second place in division, we want to get some points to try to outnumber. Um, the other teams in the other two divisions. So that's why this uh, SC United win over NCFC was pretty important if you're a Tobacco Road fan. But uh, we'll dive more into that a little bit later. But So let's dive right into this recap of this game. And let me tell you folks, this game stressed me out. I had no idea what we were going to do, how we are going to come out. Um... I knew that Eli Garner was suspended with that red card last game. Um, head coach Cedric Burke was also suspended, which I kind of forgot about until today when he wasn't on the field. So um, at first I was a little I was nervous. I will admit because whenever you lose to a team six nothing six nothing in soccer which is as crazy of a score, but whenever you lose to a team by that much, you have to be a little bit nervous on like how you're going to come back and play against them. And uh, let me just remind everyone that we played them on Wednesday, and then we played them the week before. Um, and so these two teams kind of know each other right now, which is good but at the same time it's it's, go, it's going to get physical and if I knew anything if I had to get predict one thing coming to this game it was going to be that we were going to play physical and let me tell you they played physical and now I'm going to try as my, my best to say uh, to talk about this game with the fouls as a neutral fan here, but my God, Lions Bridge flopped all over the field. It I mean, um, let me let me see some stats right here. Hmm. Okay. So, real quick, folks. Real quick, folks. Uh, the PDL does not have. Uh, I guess all the correct stats in here. So, um, so on the PDL's website, they have no yellow cards listed for Tobacco Road, but there were actually four yellow cards on Tobacco Road. And just here in a second, I will dive into what I was talking about, as in Lions Bridge was flopping. So, right here. Um, I have number of fouls for this whole game. Number of fouls. 15 fouls on Tobacco Road. Now, there were a lot of fouls on Lions Bridge. There were seven. But then we look at yellow cards. Four yellow cards on Tobacco Road. Zero yellow cards on Lions Bridge. Now, yes, you could look at that as, like I said, we were playing physical. Yeah, that that caused quite a bit of fouls. But then I think the yellow cards, yellow cards were just getting out of hand. This ref was getting really close to just losing this game, as in, like lo losing control of this game. Um, he sometimes played it fair, sometimes didn't. Sometimes made a good call, sometimes didn't make a good call. Sometimes the yellow cards were. You know, I, yeah, sure, they were yellow card, but then sometimes it was just bull crap. It, I mean, they weren't a yellow card. Now, um, thank God there weren't any out of pound balls or 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 any offsides calls or any um, or any handballs in the box that went against us this game, like it has been in the past. But I mean, this game was just we were playing big boy soccer, 
we weren't afraid to go up there and give you a light shove. Now, my only problem with that is when we're going up against these guys and we're going in for a tackle or we're going in and try to try to steal the ball away from you, we're hitting your back and, you know, maybe giving you a light shove or just hitting you a little hard with our arm or shoulder. And Lions Bridge was just falling. They were diving, just flopping on the pitch. And they were just getting fouls for that. In Tobacco Rose is getting fouls for that. And it was annoying because they would go down, grab their ankle, roll around, and then, you know, the ref would, you know, back the player off, give them a yellow or something. Then the Lions Bridge player would get right back up, kick the ball again with the foot that he was holding. And now my thing is, you know, I never played college soccer, professional soccer, and you know, like I know how it works of in, of you know trying to get the calls. But my God, dude, you're you're falling and rolling on the ground, and the next second you're up and you're kicking the ball, and you kick it 20 yards down the field to uh, try to score a goal, you know, off a set piece right there. And my thing is, I just find that a little ridiculous that. You know, you're a grown man out here trying to, you know, flop around. Like, I mean, you know, it was a little frustrating, but at the same time, we were playing really good soccer, and we weren't allowing them to to uh, pass very well in the final third for the first half, so I was really proud of that. But I'm off the soapbox a little bit about that. But let's get into the first half. So um, I came out like a minute late and Tafwata already scored and now I I did not know who scored at the time at the moment I thought Taf, I thought I heard that Taff um had the assist but I actually watched it and let me tell you guys do not leave Tafwata open in the box that is probably the biggest mistake that any team can make um he played phenomenal this game and I'm going to talk about how good of a player he is because Tafawada, I mean, that first goal, he was able to pass the ball and then sprint right into the box, right into open space for an easy pass, and then he just kicked it right into the opposite side of the goal. And this goal, the goalie did not think that that was going in. And I'm going to say that Lionsbridge goalkeeper had a rough game. He did not... I, I don't think he made that great of saves. He didn't. He just didn't play that good. And I didn't think he was that good of a goalie this game compared to that first game. But he didn't even move an inch to try to stop this ball because he thought it was going out of bounds. But this one just rolled right into the corner. Perfect goal. Perfect way to start the game. In the first minute, or technically, I guess the ball goal was scored in the second minute, but absolute beautiful goal. And then... Tobacco Road just played a great game after that first half. They just Chompe. It, it is it is so good to have Chompe back in the midfield because Chompe, when he's in the midfield, he's controlling this game. He's he is just playing. He is such a technical player when it's one on one. That I mean, he he will in the basketball terms break your ankles. But out there on the pitch, he is just he's just, he's fun to watch. He plays with such heart and pride, and he's out there working his butt off trying to stop Lionsbridge. Because, I mean, this was a revenge game, for crying out loud. There were a lot of players that didn't make the trip. Well, our starting lineup compared to last game was pretty different. Uh, no Eli Garner. Um, Kellen Foster did not make the trip to Lionsbridge, but he, made, he did make the start uh, this week. Um, and another player that I thought that had a very impactful game was Joaquim. Now, he played phenomenal. He just created uh, tons of chances. Um, he, him, and, him and Ben uh, Ben Fisher up top was um, a great pairing. I mean, well, not, I guess not up top because Joaquim played on the wing, but... Um, Joaquim and Ben hooked up for some really good chances there. And uh, we'll dive that here into that in a little bit. But, I mean, Tamakaru just kind of led this first half. And I, I was a little nervous because Lionsbridge played a bad half compared to last week. But um, Ryan played a 
a hell of a first half. He really did. He he had some good saves. Um, he was a boss out there. And then, so, for the second half was really when the action started. So, um... Um, so for the second half, um, just nine minutes after the, um, nine minutes is after the second half started, um, ah, <laughs> it says that, uh, Wada had the assist, but, um, Ben Fisher had a fantastic goal. Tobacco Road was controlling the uh, possession, uh, really just attacking in the second half to start, which I thought was something that they needed to do. If they can come out and shut down Lions Bridge after the half and just control the possession for the rest of the game, I thought it was going to be a major key for them to get to get three points. Um, but yes, like I was saying, Joaquin, he had a hell of a game. He played great. He didn't have any goals, but... He did win the man of, man of the match. And I thought that he, out of the top three players that were on the field tonight, he was definitely number one. He played a heck of a game. He created chances, had some nice passes. And he showed that he had great, uh, um, he had, he had a great technical game. He was really just killing it out there deep. Um, in the final third, he was, a, um, he was a big help. And so, yeah, he had a fantastic cross in. Ben Fisher was able to discord. Um, it, it was it was magnificent. Oh, um, gosh, I'm sorry. So, yes, for the second goal in the 54th minute, uh, yeah, Joaquin was able to cross his one in into the box. Tafwata just danced around with it. And like I was saying earlier with Taff now, he's such a gifted player. I mean, he... Even if, say, you're a Charlotte Eagles fan or if you're a Myrtle Beach fan, you have to love to watch him play because he might not be scoring a goal every game, but he is, I mean, I am an NC State fan. I'm a diehard NC State fan. I was born NC State fan, but Tafwater going to Carolina next year, I'm going to have to watch him next year because he is such a fantastic player. He is just able to just move around. He, I don't understand how he just is able to steal the ball just the way he does against a player. But he um, had a fantastic game just dancing in the box with the ball. Uh, moving around, I believe it was three players in the box. It would have slide it out to Ben Fisher. And then Ben took control of it, able to just clear it right there. It was, I mean, it was just... It was the way, like, no, you couldn't have written that any better than what it was. So, really proud of those guys and how they would have finished. Um, one of the common themes I think have we have noticed, especially with the home games this year, has been too many touches in the final third, especially in the box. We just haven't been able to, uh, we'll come off a counter, go down the wing, pass the ball inside, and then we'll try to pass it again. Or we'll hold on to it when we should have shot the ball the first time. And then, you know, try to dance around with it and then shoot. And then it's, you know, deflected or just a bad shot. And I think this game, we actually took more chances with it. Um, at first, after the first goal, but for the rest of the first half, that was kind of the theme. Chompe had some really good opportunities. Just not, his shots just weren't exactly on target, but he had some good shots. He had some, poten like, some potentially, like, could have been a goal, but maybe held on to it a little too much. Um, I also noticed that like at least two or three of the shots weren't that powerful. They were just kind of easy shots at the goal, you know, to warm up the keeper, pretty much. That's what I thought they were. I mean, he played a great game, um, but I don't think his shots in the first half were as good as what they could have been, but they were still shots, and the keeper, at the times, there would be nobody close to him. And he would kind of deflect the ball off and then wouldn't grab onto it. He kind of would let it roll. Kind of was a mistake. So I didn't know if that was his, his tactics right then or, or, or what. But I don't think he was able to. He, I don't think I think they were just getting in his head too much. And uh, shout out to the Brightly Battalion. But those guys were just heckling that goalkeeper the whole entire match. But 
um, Chompe and uh, Mauricio Pedeta played a fantastic game in the middle of the field. Um, I'm really glad to have both of them on the field at the same time together because they played fantastic. Now, um, on the PDL's website, it says Tobacco Road shot the ball 11 times. Now, according to the team, that is correct. It's 11 times, so. Um, I felt like we had a little more than 11. Could have been 15, maybe 17, 18 shots. I mean, I, I would say 15. 15 felt appropriate or felt like the number of shots that we had. Uh, I felt like we had a lot more chances than just 11, but it, we still played great. Um, now, one thing that I also would like to talk about is uh, Dylan Chan, or Chain, sorry. <laughs> um, so, he played, I believe he's a left back, and he played a really good game, I thought. He's more of an attacker. Um, I don't think his defensive ability is, you know, greater than his attacking ability, but... In, in the first five minutes, you heard uh, Jacob and Jamie both talk about uh, his ability. And he got to start this game. And they did bring up the point of him being more um, consistent. Not only I guess, starting or playing time, but him being... Or Dylan being more, I guess, consistent with his play. And with his, you know, creating chances. Or getting back in time. Or helping out the defense. Or playing more defensively. I think he played a pretty good game. Um, he played the full 90 minutes, and I thought that was pretty important because when we started to make uh, some player swaps, you could definitely tell that our style of play changed and we played more defensively. We weren't attacking the ball as much through the midfield, but that was because of who we swapped in and, and how all these players played together. But... Um, like I would say, in the second half, around the 70th minute, uh, Mustafa Wada was subbed off. And that, I think that was a big factor of our style of play from the start of the second half to the last 10 minutes of the second half. When we were just, you know, letting them score goals or making bad decisions. But bringing fresh legs was smart to do and was something that was needed. Because it was hot out there for that first half. In the sun the whole time. Very hot. But um, we did end up swapping Ben Fisher up top. We swapped. Uh, so we swapped Ben in the 62nd, 67th minute. Then you swap uh, Taff at the 74th minute. So, you know, your two influential players up top are gone. But at the same time, you're bringing on... Um, some pretty good players to uh, fill in that role and um, I believe we brought in sorry I need to <laughs> have my notes with me but um yeah I'll just continue sorry but um, we brought in some fresh fresh legs up top uh, really smart to do oh Oscar Moreno we brought in Oscar up top um, he played a great game um, he was what we needed, I believe, up top to really just kind of continue that attack. It's almost like what you see with NCFC right now with the senior team. Uh, when they don't play two up top, they don't win. And when they pull out and only have one up top and put more in the mid more players in the midfield, they don't they don't win. And so I think this team having another player up top, um, fresh legs. Uh, more, you know, who can hold the ball and attack more and drive against that tired defense is uh, pretty important. And so he played a great game. He was actually able to score in the 75th minute, I want to say it was. Yes. But he had a great goal. And I really felt like that was the nail in the coffin. But, I mean, we still had... You know plenty of time left and I was as nervous because after we started making our subs I felt like the players that really helped us get this lead 
were gone and you know who's going to really help us there um fresh legs is very important but with the players that helped us get that far off the pitch um the the style of play changed and we um Lionsbridge started making started to make some uh, effective um subs they brought in two players uh, at one time um which I don't think we were ready for um we just they started kind of to counter more. They started pushing more and started running a little faster down there, uh, trying to attack. But they played um, a great second half. The The last 20 minutes of the game, they really just started to attack more. They started to try to hold the ball and just move with it. Um, but I would say that the ref kind of did allow some of these goals to be scored, which... You know, as a tobacco road fan, it's bullcrap. But at the same time, you know, it, it's just the way soccer goes. And, you know, it, it is tough. But um, it, it, it's just the way it goes sometimes. So um, there was a penalty um, just five minutes after Moreno scored. Uh, tobacco road had a penalty. Um, I didn't think it was as much of a penalty, but since it was in the box, I didn't think it needed to be of called to be called. Um, did I really did feel like the goalkeeper gave them that goal? But you know, it, it's just the way it goes. But there was still plenty of time after that goal. Um, so then it is three one. Um, and guys, let me tell you, if you have not seen it in the second half when Ryan Cretans. Uh, went to deflect the ball away, and the Lionsbridge player brought him down at the same time. I mean, they both fell. At the, I mean, you can't hit the keeper. And I know that you know some keepers try to play it off, and you know they want to get the call. But I mean, my God, Ryan Creens is a tough individual. He's not going to let you bump into him and knock him down. I mean, he's going to fight to get that ball out of the way and hold. You know, he wants a clean sheet. Like he doesn't want you to score against him. And I found it ridiculous that they gave him a card for getting up and bumping into um, a Lionsbridge player. But, you know, I didn't understand he needs to keep his cool. That's very important. But, you know, if, if he if Ryan came up and threw a hand, you know, to push him off of him, then, you know, it would have been a red because the way the ref was playing the game for Lions Bridge, you know, he would have sent Ryan off in that instant. But um, Ryan did come up and say it with, he said it with his chest. Let, let me, guys, I mean, you have to go back and watch this. I'm going to try to, um, I'm going to go back and try to clip it. But, I mean, Ryan got up and just bumped this guy. I mean, you could tell the Lions Bridge player was just running his mouth the whole time. And I mean, it, it was just—it was just the story of the night. Was every time a player from Lionsbridge went down or fell down, they just ran their mouse and you know, try to get the ref to call it. And you know, every time they fall down, they raise their hand like they were hurt. And it's like you know, come on, it, it's just you gotta play on. And that also allows me to talk about the other point is that Tobacco Road continued to play tonight compared to the Charlotte game when. A player runs out of bounds they quit playing and that allows the Charlotte player to continue playing to score on them but tonight I felt like Tobacco Road just continued to play the whole time and there were there were two opportunity or two times that the ref would call a pointless foul on a Tobacco Road player even though both teams were you know playing on maybe there'd be a slight bump between the two players and you know you can't help it when it's an accident, but when you know two players bump into each other and they continue to play on, and the ref stops. I mean, you can't do anything about that. But it was very frustrating. This game was stressful. Um, then Lionsbridge did score a good goal. Um, another five minutes after the penalty, still plenty of time. Had me, <laughs> I was nervous the whole time, um, but. Lionsbridge only recorded two corners, sorry, three corners in this game. 
Wait, nope, I am correct. Two corners the whole game. And when did those two corners come? After they scored their second goal. Uh, Tobacco Road uh, was playing it safe <laughs> in their third. Uh, trying not to cause a foul uh, near the box or in the box to you know give Lions Bridge the opportunity because you know the refs are going to give it to them uh, to make it three three. So you know they're playing they're playing it safe, trying to get the ball out of there. But there were two corners that were just back to back. That was, I mean, I was I was nervous. I didn't know what to do. I it it was going to be a close game, um, but it was just nerve-wracking to have to watch two corners go back to back with five minutes left to play and those last 10 minutes were just crazy both teams had great opportunities um and it is just stressful i mean i'm so last year i so during the game I, i thought about this and i wrote it down as something i need to talk about at the end but Lions Bridge is new this year. Um, Wilmington is gone this year. They were in the PDL last year. But uh, last year, the uh, Tobacco Road Wilmington Hammerheads um, series, which the last game was called the. Um, Ah, oh, forgot what it's called, but I'll come right back to that once I think about it. But um, that series, or the the three games that we played against Wilmington, were fun games to watch. One of those games was like a four-four, was a back to you know back and forth four-four draw. Uh, both teams played great. It was a physical. It was a little rivalry building up, but unfortunately, there's no more Wilmington. But I think that Lions Bridge is the new Wilmington. At least for Tobacco Road, in the sense of you know back to forth, back and back um, games right here. Um, you know Lions Bridge winning uh, six nothing, and then Tobacco Road scoring three on them uh, the next game. But I mean, I would say the ref scored Lions Bridge two. But you know, this is going to be a great series the last game between these two teams is going to be fun to watch i believe the last one is in durham uh, don't take my word on it i'm gonna check for you guys right here but um this series is fun uh this game was a tough one um ah you know what looking right now they don't play them again which is uh, pretty sad, but Lions Bridge has been a fun opponent. Um, I kind of hated them after last week's game, after the 6-0 win, but uh, Lions Bridge is fun to watch. The South Atlantic guys, is just, it, it's a headache. Um, you couldn't tell, some, you couldn't predict what it is going to be in, a, in any week uh, if your life depended on it, because this, this conference is just crazy but if there's one thing that's certain it is going to be that the Carolina Dynamo aren't very good this year but right now guys uh first place in the in the in the sorry first place in the table to fifth place is only separated by three points so right now top five teams NCFC Myrtle Beach Charlotte Tobacco Road Lions Bridge all these teams are still in it, and that's really that's crazy to say because everyone is still in this. Everyone's still in it, and you know, predicting the playoffs is going to be a headache, I think. And so for Tobacco Road's next game, uh, they're hosting NCFC, and that game is next Wednesday. Um. Let me get you guys a date. Oh, okay. So next Wednesday, June 20th, 7 p.m., Durham County Memorial Stadium. Be there. That's going to be a great one. That is round three of the hashtag RDU Derby slash hashtag Triangle Derby. Um, I got to talk to people, find out what the new consensus is for the name. Because, I mean, like I said in another podcast last year, it was RDU Derby, and then this year it's Triangle Derby. 
I, I'm gonna start saying Triangle Derby now, but um, round three Triangle Derby that's gonna be a great game to watch, especially after uh, the last match that was in carry was a little feisty with the rain delay, sloppy play calls going in NCLC's favor. This one's gonna be this one's gonna be fantastic, guys. So. If you were only going to come out to one game this year, I would say come out to round three of the Triangle Derby here in Durham because it's going to be a great game to watch. But, um, yeah, guys, I'm going to write an article here right now after this um, kind of talking about this game as well. Throw it a little bit of stats. But, um, yeah, guys, if you uh, make sure to uh, like and subscribe um, anywhere you find this podcast at. Apple, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, um, the Android Store, Google Play, um, and share with your friends, guys. That's how we spread uh, lower division soccer. Is, you know, bringing your friends out to games, letting them know about uh, the small website, small podcast. Um, make it. Make sure to check out Soccer and Sweet Tea for all things here, uh, soccer in the Carolinas. Um, and if you want, guys, if you want to learn more about the South Atlantic Division or just lower division soccer in the Carolinas, check out uh, Soccer and Sweetie's Amateur Hour podcast. Um, you can find them anywhere you find podcasts. They have done some fantastic interviews with uh, some coaches, um, coaches, um, head staff for these clubs. So make sure to check them out. Uh, Chris and Ben do a fantastic job of covering lower division soccer in the Carolinas. So check them out. Until then, uh, see you guys.